Canada HR News on February 19, 2024. I'm Elena Bobireva. In today's episode, we talk about Bill 124 in Ontario, union negotiations at Air Transat and the University of Toronto, the province with the highest workplace harassment rate in the country, and other topics. To get the latest HR updates, follow us on X at News and LinkedIn at Canada HR News Podcast. The Canadian economy added 37,000 jobs in January as unemployment fell slightly to 5.7%, the first decline since December 2022, according to a report from Statistics Canada. After three consecutive months of little change in the job rates, the January figures were better than economists expected but were mostly driven by an increase in part-time work. 12,000 full-time jobs were lost. Average hourly wages, which have been consistently growing at 4-5% to annual pace as Canadians seek compensation to account for inflation, rose 5.3% from a year ago. Employment increased across several sectors in January, led by wholesale and retail trade as well as finance, insurance, real estate, rental, and leasing. Meanwhile, accommodation and food services saw the largest employment decline. Canada's labor market cooled significantly last year as high interest rates weighed on consumer spending and business investment, pushing the unemployment rate from 5.1% in April to 5.8% in December. In Ontario, Bill 124 was ruled unconstitutional by the province's top court, and it will be repealed. The Ford government has lost an appeal over the wage restraint legislation Bill 124 in a ruling released by Ontario's top court last week. The law, which capped public sector wages at 1% per year for three years, was introduced by the Progressive Conservative government in 2019 in a bid to limit public sector spending. According to Global News, the law impacted over 2,500 public sector collective bargaining units in Ontario and triggered a court challenge by a collection of unions and labor groups. In late 2022, the law was struck down as unconstitutional. Global News reports that last Monday, the Ontario Court of Appeal agreed with the lower court ruling and upheld the decision that ultimately scrapped the legislation. The Ford government said it would not take that ruling to the Supreme Court of Canada and will repeal the law instead. A three-judge panel agreed with the original court ruling that said Bill 124 substantially interferes with collective bargaining rights. In particular, the court ruling found the wage restraint legislation was unconstitutional because it failed to consult properly with the unions before it was enacted, and there was no meaningful mechanisms for keeping any collective agreements out of the Act. A labor update from Air Transat. QB continues to bargain on behalf of its 2,100 flight attendants at Air Transat, 
the mediators sent their recommendation to the union and employer, and the union will present it to members during upcoming information meetings. Strike action will not be taken while the flight attendants are considering this recommendation. The collective agreement for flight attendants based at airports in Montreal and Toronto expired on October 31st, 2022. Negotiations began officially on April 17, 2023. The first tentative agreement between the parties was reached on December 14. After general meetings, the flight attendants voted 98% to reject it, with 87% of members participating. On January 7, the second tentative agreement was reached, also turned down by members on February 1st by a vote of 82%. As we reported in one of our previous episodes, the main sticking points for crew members include hours worked on the ground before takeoff and after landing, as well as the questions of onboard staffing and pay. Academic staff at the University of Toronto voted in support of strike action. Contract educators, contract instructors, teaching assistants, and postdoctoral researchers voted 94.4% in favor of a strike if the employer does not take action to address the rising cost of living. Nearly 8,000 academic workers, along with maintenance, caretakers, groundskeeping, residence and food service staff represented by QP Local 3261, will be in a legal strike position in early March. Academic workers are seeking improvements to compensation that was restrained for years by Bill 124, the one we spoke earlier at the beginning of the episode. Represented by QP 3902, academic staff is pressing the university on inequalities faced by groups of workers who are paid less even though they do the same work as others on campus. The union members are also demanding the university be a leader in Toronto by providing its most precarious workers with affordable access to transit. They say that public transit is vitally important for working people, especially as the difference between incomes and the cost of living pushing workers to live further and further from their workplace. The union is advocating for transit benefits that are similar for workers and students. Canada's agriculture sector is experiencing a severe and chronic labor shortage. Although labor shortages are a challenge for employers in many sectors across the country, they are particularly acute for agriculture employers. More than 28,000 jobs were estimated to have gone unfilled in the agriculture sector during peak season in 2022. These unfilled vacancies have severe consequences. Based on the recent survey conducted by the Canadian Agricultural Human Resource Council, labor shortages caused a 3.7% decline in sales in 2022, which, when applied to total sales in agriculture, resulted in an estimated $3.5 billion in lost sales. The research has revealed that by the year 2030, 
there will be more than 100,000 vacant jobs to fill in the industry. More than 30% of the agriculture workforce is expected to retire over the same period. The Labor Market Information Report says that temporary foreign workers will play an important role in narrowing the domestic labor gap. However, even with a projected increase in these workers' employment by 2030, an estimated 20% or 22,200 positions will remain vacant. The researchers provide many recommendations to address labor shortages. Their suggestions include reaching untapped talent pools among youth and immigrants through education about careers in agriculture, improving employer access to temporary foreign workers, and improving current agri-worker retention through compensation, mentorship, and solid HR practices. And now, Provincial Employment Updates. A recent Statistics Canada workforce study found that nearly one in every two women and more than a third of men who responded in Saskatchewan had reported being harassed or sexually assaulted in their workplace. Overall, almost 44% of Saskatchewan workers in the study said they had experienced harassment at their workplace at some point and that puts Saskatchewan third worst in the country, behind only Alberta and British Columbia. Meanwhile, 31% of Saskatchewan respondents said they had been harassed at work in the 12 months before the survey, and that was the worst among all the provinces. In an emailed response, Saskatchewan's Ministry of Labour Relations and Workplace Safety said harassment of any kind is unacceptable at a workplace. And over the last several years, additional provisions were introduced to help create healthier, safer workplaces. Last year, for example, the provincial government amended occupational health and safety provisions to require all employers to develop a violence prevention policy and investigate violent incidents. The province gave employers until May 17, 2024 to create and implement their policies. Last week, Alberta provided an update to their residents on Alberta Pension Plan. On February 15, Finance Minister Nate Horner announced that Albertans would find out their entitlement to a portion of the Canada Pension Plan's assets in the fall 2024, if the province were to withdraw from the national program. The federal government requested the chief actuary to determine Alberta's owed amount based on an interpretation of the pension plan legislation. However, the chief actuary intends to convene a panel to interpret the asset transfer formula, which would serve as the foundation for the actuary's calculation. The government says that during the first phase of their engagements with residents on a provincial pension plan, they heard loud and clear that Albertans want more information on the value of the asset transfer Alberta would be entitled to. The federal government says the panel's interpretation will be ready this spring and the chief actuary's calculation will be provided to Alberta this fall. 
Manitoba government has announced that it has received $633 million in funding to hire 400 doctors, 300 nurses, 200 paramedics, and 100 more home care workers to bring health care workers required to the front lines to cut wait times and deliver better care to Manitobans. These targeted investments should help add more acute and medicine beds to Manitoba's healthcare system, ease the pressures on crowded emergency rooms, and expand primary care options to families. The province will work on removing barriers to foreign credential recognition, simplifying licensing processes, and increasing program access to educated and skilled health professionals. They will also hire more psychologists to help reduce wait times for counseling and double hospital spaces for those experiencing homelessness and needing comprehensive health care and treatment. And this was Canada HR News. If you enjoyed this episode, follow us to stay up to date and leave us a rating in Apple Podcast or your other favorite platform. For more information on the topics discussed today, see the episode description and connect with us on X at CADHR News and LinkedIn at Canada HR News Podcast.